Welcome to the Infinite Mark Podcast. I'm Pete. I'm here with Zach again. We are going to get right into it today. We're going to pick up on Clerk, part two. If you haven't seen part one, please check it out. Uh, we posted it last week. It's a really cool story. Um, and I think that Zach and his team over on the East Coast are going to try to film it here in the next couple of days. So it's pretty pretty cool. So let's let's just dive right back in, Zach. Why don't you just give us a quick rundown of the uh, basically what the characters are doing or the, who the different characters are, what they're doing as of right now in our mind, and then what we can do then after that is dive into each character and kind of like discover what they're wants and needs and like background is and that way we can get a better understanding of why they're all here and then we can kind of like put their actions into an order that makes sense for the story yeah we got the clerk obviously he's the clerk he's nobody he's just working <laughs> locations at a hotel and in a car mm -hmm. uh we got ted works for some sort of bureau that seeks to control people and he's kind of like a whistleblower kind of using this device or something that they have as leverage to not be killed by them assassin is an assassin sent by them to kill him regardless mm -hmm. it's not really going to work or it does work because it actually helps the guy coolio come in and he's there to kind of protect Ted, but more use him, you know? And then, yeah, Ted, Coolio, Assassin, and Clerk, four. Sweet. All right. Okay, okay, okay. So, Assassin, let's well, actually, let's start with Ted. Ted, you said, was a lower-level worker at, like, some Bureau of Control. Mm -hmm. What what does he what did he do, and why is he fed up? And what did he take? And uh, how does he think that that's going to help him? So essentially, his goals. He uh, was he like working on the actual compound? He obviously had access to it because he was able to take a briefcase. So maybe he's one of the um, chemists who are actually mixing the compound, not somebody who like created it. Like he's replaceable for sure, but maybe, maybe, unless you want to make him irreplaceable, maybe he is the person who came up with the compound, but then he realized what the Bureau was going to do with it. And then he took it. He took the only supply or something. No, I don't like it when uh, it's like the only man who could do it did it, <laughs> you know, and he did it. Um, yeah. Okay, so he's just a lower level guy. So maybe he works in the lab and he has access to this. Or he's a janitor. How would he know, like, the, yeah, the inner, inner workings? Maybe he just took it so that he can hold it for ransom. He's a bad guy, actually. He took the case because he's like, I don't make enough money. 
I am going to hold this for ransom, then call the people and say, I have what you're looking for. What if he's kind of innocent and they took it as bad? Like he took a, a, the wrong bag and it was supposed to be some, it has like super stuff in there. And uh, they just like went overboard and were like, all right, we're going to kill you. <laughs> and he's like, I just did it on accident. I didn't mean it. I swear. And then he runs. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> I guess his car drives away. I don't know. That's too. Uh, it's too crazy. I want. I like what you were saying about them. Uh, him wanting to use this company or use it for his own leverage, and then it ends up backfiring because not only does somebody come to kill him, which maybe he doesn't expect at yeah. first. Uh, he's running because he he's like on the run because he's up to no good. Maybe for a noble cause, or maybe it was just maybe it was for his own selfish cause. No, the uh, Coolio is going to be, he noble. thinks a noble cause. He thinks he's doing it for a noble cause, but, you know, a noble cause doesn't really have sacrifices other than the ones you make for yourself. You don't sacrifice other people for a noble cause, <laughs> you know, then it's okay. not a noble cause. So maybe he took it because he wanted money or or he was going to sell it on the black market or something okay we're talking about ted ted yeah okay yeah, so he took ted, it for selfish reasons he took it for selfish reasons to either hold he, it for but he but he believes maybe the that the government or whatever this bureau shouldn't have it and he he did take it for selfish reasons and he is going to make a profit off of it but he's like you know, I could give it to a black arms dealer and like it's better off than being in the government's hands, you know? Yeah. Uh, what so about- So he's really a bad guy. What but, about he's going to the to a, like a, a journalist and he's like, <clears throat> I want you, I want you to- Who? Who in the world? Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> um no okay 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 i i like what you were saying he's selfish he, he took it because maybe he um he doesn't think that this bureau of control should what have they're gonna fire him and he took it anyway Okay, so he doesn't know what this drug is, right? He took it because he's just like, oh, screw it. I could just sell this. Like, they fired me? I, like, I'll show them. I'll take, I'll take something. They're, no one's going to know it's missing. What if it's like um, he works at, like, a warehouse? Let's Wait, let, let me stop you because we have to remember that we are going to have to get all of this across, and not all of it, but we have to get at least some of it across in just the very short time that we see Ted. Maybe he can make a phone call while he's in the hotel room and like say like, I have what you're looking for. Like, you're not gonna get it back for, you know, anything less than like $1 million or something. And then uh, he hangs up real fast and he's all nervous and, he's st and stuff. I don't know, something like that where we can kind of imply that he's done this um, for his own self. line could be like, what are you still doing alive? <laughs> yeah, and that's when his eyes like 
that's when the door opens and Coolio comes in. Oh, that's good. See, I knew it would all fall in place if we started thinking about their backstory. Okay. Why are you still alive or how are you still alive? Why are you still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Okay, that's cool. Why are you so he calls somebody, he gets through to them, and he's like, I have what you want. Something like that. And then and then the guy on the other line, maybe we don't ever even see his face. We just see like the close-up of his mouth. And he's like, or like a close-up of his eyes and then a close-up of his mouth. He's like, why are you still alive? And then, and then Ted's, we see Ted's reaction like, oh my God. And he hangs up the phone and he goes, and then all of a sudden he hears a knock at the do front door and he like turns to the front door and then the front door busts down and it's Coolio. And so he thinks Coolio's, yeah, it, like not even a knock though it just goes and opens and he's like what coolio walks in um, he thinks coolio's there to kill him but coolio's not there to kill him coolio is there to use him maybe or maybe he is there to kill him but not like kill him like this maybe he's there to use him as a martyr or something or he says he breaks in the door says come with me if you want to live and and ted goes ew that's gay <laughs> it's like isn't that from a movie like a really bad movie from the 90s no come with me oh if you want to live if you truly want to live <laughs> <laughs> hey man there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> to each their own <laughs> um okay not serious about that let he he comes in <laughs> he comes in to the to the hotel room and ted thinks coolio where'd you go <laughs> you getting water right. oh, okay yeah. ted thinks coolio is there to kill him so he gets really panicky or maybe he like lunges at him to try to stop him but <laughs> that'd be funny he actually like tries to do something lunges at him and <laughs> Coolio just like moves out of the way and just throws him into the wall or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then he and then Coolio picks him up and like sits him down on the couch and uh, maybe hands up or something. Uh, and then that's when he opens the case and and then maybe that Ted could be like, please, please don't kill me. Like uh, you know, uh, you you could take it all. Like I, I and and then he could be like, I'm not here to kill you. I need you or like I, I or you could be you you're still useful to me and then he takes out the the one of the liquids and then he administers it to him and then cool and then Ted like his nerves like kind of calm down and he becomes really like lethargic and docile and then he's and then Coolio unties his hands and he says now grab the case and come with me and Ted just like listens to him like a robot and he grabs the case and, he, and we then that's when we see on the case it says Federal Bureau of of control and then they walk out and that could be the end oh yeah keep thinking we're making a full-on feature i'm like coming up with like this big theming What's plan the next scene <laughs> well okay 
I'm glad that you're bringing that up. Let's kind of go into it as if it were a feature just slightly because I'm thinking I want a short film should be like a scene from a movie. However, not just a visual scene, a, like a scene in a movie should have all the feats of the entire movie. It's just on a smaller scale. Like the main character should have a want and then an obstacle and, he, and they have to get through that obstacle by making a choice and then they either succeed or they fail. Then, which then leads to the next scene where they have another want or goal, which they have to try to accomplish and they either succeed or they fail. So each scene in a film should be almost like a mini short film, a continuation. Like you could split each scene up into its own episode or like a two or three minute episode instead of like a 30 minute episode of a TV show. So what would happen next in the story? After they leave the hotel room, and Ted is now in control, or sorry, uh, Coolio's in control of Ted, um, but Coolio wants to take down the bureau, right? So what's his what's his goal next? Like a diner scene, but like he takes him to a diner and like he's eating pancakes. And he's like well, trying Ted's to tell him, like, there. yo, I'm getting down the control when he's eating pancakes. <laughs> we got to take down the bureau. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, why would he explain if Ted's kind of going to be his prisoner, right? Yeah. So he doesn't, he's not going to like explain to his prisoner why he took him prisoner. What if it's in the vial is like kind of like an acid you know and he just tells him like he puts a drop in his eyes like all right you got to do what i say or else you're gonna die like if you don't get more of this every whatever or something like that and why would the bureau of control have why would that be the drug that it doesn't do anything to you but it other than make you dependent on them like the government <laughs> oh i see where you're going zach and uh but like that way this guy he's like slightly you know tripping out but like he's able to do stuff but he inevitably has to follow coolio ted okay 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 instead of like a zombie you know like he's not zombie like, okay i will follow you like he's he has to get him to do things too like uh get him into the bureau of control and stuff. So he he's trying to convince him to like do what he says, like willingly rather than under uh, control. But he Ironically. uses it, okay, okay. Uses it on Ted to show Ted what it does, but he only uses a little bit. And so now that you said in the last episode, you were saying that you were thinking of who was the director who did, who did the Beyond the Black Rainbow in Mandy? Panos Cosmatos. Yeah. So in Mandy, there's this scene where, where um, the girl gets drugged and then you see from her perspective how like the world is moving all trippy. So maybe we can kind of cut to that POV of Ted. So we see the drug administered and then he's almost like paralyzed with fear. Like, and he can see... Julio explaining to him like 
this is this is what you know they want to use on on all of us like and uh, are you going to be on my side or are you going to help me or or am i going to have to use you or something like something like that you know what i mean as, I he's, eating pancakes. as he's eating pancakes <laughs> that's the next scene i'm thinking about this scene oh when they're in there still like he gives them the thing and yeah. he's like Listen. And then he can explain to him, so he can explain something, like not super exposition-y, but he could at least say something to Ted to try to entice Ted to follow him willingly. He could just say, if you don't get the antidote, you die. Come with me. And then he's eating pancakes, and like he's like saying, the Bureau of Control, like, they're bad, like, they do this. They're constantly doing this. They're killing all these people. They're just labeling these people as racist. There's something like that. And then the, Ted's, like, freaking out. He's like, I need the antidote. You're, I'm going to die. I can feel it, like, waning or something like that. He's like, oh, okay. no, I was crying about that. <laughs> and, and then he's just eating pancakes. He's like, now we have to go in there. You have to get me in there because I need to, like, blow up the building or something, you, you know? know? Okay. But if it's blowing up the building, then we're probably not going to be able to make the movie. Well, we're maybe we wouldn't be able to make the feature, but we can easily make the short, which is what we're kind of like thinking about. Um, okay. That would be the next scene. So th yeah. after this, the next scene is them is Coolio trying to get Ted to willingly come along and help him. That's where it goes. That's where it goes. I'm thinking that maybe the drug, instead of it being a drop or like something you have to consume, it's like in a spray, like a perfume. And that way, like think about how easily the, the government could administer that to all of us uh, if it was in an aerosol form. All we have to do is breathe it in. And then all of a sudden we have, they have control over us. Like they can manipulate us one way or the other. You know what I mean? Maybe. So regardless of how he administers it, he's in the room, he's like, please, you know, please don't kill me. Like, and then maybe he can then take the drug and then he's like, I'm not gonna kill you. Not yet at least. And then he administers the drug and then we see it from his perspective. Of, <laughs> and then, um, and then Coolio can either say something like, or tell him to do something. And then he's like, Maybe he tries to resist, but the drug like makes him more impressionable. So he like he follows, and then like you said, the next scene hypothetically would be a more of an expositionary scene where we where Coolio explains to him like what he's gonna do. But we can keep that a mystery for now within this short film because then it's um when people watch it when they see the drug being administered. And then they see that, oh no, okay, he seems like he's under like control now. Like somebody's like this guy, Coolio's controlling him with his influence because of this drug. And then we see that the drug is in the suitcase that's labeled Bureau of Control. And then that kind of just all implies that there's something bigger to this story, but the story is, this portion of the story is over. Like, so the main character's goal is to escape and hold this this drug for ransom that maybe he doesn't even know what it does 
but he fails because this like revolutionary comes uh, and takes him under control in order to take down the bureau. Um, yeah, like beat for Vendetta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like that uh, as kind of an analogy. Okay, so then let's think about the opening scene. The assassin is being sent by the corporation or the bureau to kill this guy and take the drugs back. That's easy. He arrives. Yeah. Or maybe it's maybe it's like one vial and a bunch of papers. And all the papers are just like chemical compounds and procedures to and steps and like instructions, you know? Like that way you could see that like the guy who made it didn't want it to be on a computer that could be stolen or okay. something. I, I keep going back to like whatever. What's in the be. case. Yeah. <laughs> I like the original idea of it just being like lined with vials of, of like red liquid of, or something. And cause then it's like, we don't have to, we don't have to put too much explanation behind it. Like it's almost like implied that, okay, this is some type of a drug. And then when it's administered, we're like, oh, wow, he's, he's like under the control of this other guy now. Okay, like that may, oh, it's in the box called Lab uh, Bureau of Control. And then Coolio said something about like, you know, you, know, you, ha you have to come with me. We have to stop the Bureau at all costs. And then, <laughs> huh? It's <laughs> just funny. We just and we could call it the bureau, the movie, instead of the clerk. Okay, so so that's cool. I think that that's a really we have a great idea of the two main characters and what their motivations are, and it kind of the second half of the film kind of like fell into place. So now let's think of the first half because we have to think of the order in which to reveal things. So. Let's think of obviously Ted arrives. We might everything that I'm going to go over, we're not going to show on camera, but we're just going to go through the series of events for each character and then sh decide what to show on camera. So Ted arrives at the hotel. He gets a room. He goes into the room with the suitcase. He's very nervous and he makes a phone call to try to hold this stuff ransom and then. And then the person on the other line like says, why are you still alive? And then he kind of uh, puts two and two together. While that's all happening, does he get the key from the clerk, obviously? Because if it was from the assassin, the assassin would just kill him. Hmm. He gets the key from the clerk. And then the, after he arrives and he's in his room, the assassin shows up and kills the clerk. And maybe he's behind do we show that on, on camera? We don't show that. Hmm. I know you wanted to open this, this, the film with that cool scene of Coolio, but technically we could just have that kind of at the midpoint. We can open the scene with Ted getting there now that it raises a mystery. Why is he here? What is he running from? He has the suitcase. Now he's in this hotel room. And then we cut to another car pulling up, going into the, the, uh, the office and killing the clerk. Or we don't see him kill the clerk, but then we see from that, he, we just see him walk in. And then we cut to 
Coolio in the car and then we see Coolio pull up as well. So we see Ted get the room and then we see someone, some mystery person go into the, into the main office. And then we see Coolio go into the main office. And when he goes in there, it's not the same clerk as before. It's the mystery person. So the viewer can then put together like, that's a different clerk. And another guy walked in. I wonder if he like, it was his shift now. And then we pan down to see the clerk. I don't know. What are you thinking of this? I'm kind of, I'm rambling a little bit. I'm thinking it should start with Ted being nervous and driving and then uh, cutting to the clerk seeing the assassin walk in, ask for a room, and then get shot in the face. Cut. We see Ted pulling into the same hotel, walking in there. Because first Ted shows up, then Assassin shows up, then Coolio shows up just in time to kill Assassin before Assassin has a chance to kill Ted. All right. This is the magic of storytelling, people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ted's driving nervously. Cut to him pulling into the hotel and going in there and seeing Coolio behind the, the thing, giving him 2B or whatever. And then he goes cut to or pan over or whatever the tilt or whatever to show two dead bodies under under that one of them dressed as a clerk and the other one's dressed as an assassin no one one has his clothes off and the other one's dressed as a clerk <laughs> and the one dressed as a clerk maybe has a scar on his face or something yeah something to where he's like that you're not a clerk you know and then uh cut to the hotel room, Ted opens it up, nervously does stuff, and uh, bolts the door or whatever closed and the blinds, and then- So Coolio calls, actually calls gives Ted, gives Ted the key, and then mm -hmm. goes and meets him in the room? Well, yeah, because he's, right now he's gonna take care of the bodies or hide them better or something like that. And then he's gonna go and address Ted up in the room, and try and get him to help bring down the Bureau of Control. Okay, 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 okay. I like this, I like this. We see, <laughs> for those of you listening and watching, this, this is, is how it works. This is how it works. We have to go through each beat and each step over and over and again. And why, it's, why it's would they do that, you know? Exactly. It gets redundant, but this is part of the storytelling process. Um, when you turn around in a couple of weeks or maybe a month or two and you watch the final product, you're going to be like, I understand how it got to this point because I was there since the beginning, since the, uh, since the, the, the thought was just a thought before we even fleshed this out. So, okay. We see the opening scene is... Opening scene is Ted driving nervously. No, well, okay, we can make the opening scene Coolio driving 
cool. He's driving super cool. He arrives, this is what we originally had. He arrives at the hotel, he flicks his cigarette, but then instead of just walking in, he like glances over and he sees another car that looks like similar to his. Maybe it's like an, a black car with tinted out windows. And then he looks and he looks through the window and he sees somebody who's like shirtless, who's like putting the clerk's thing on and, and buttoning it up. And he's like, hmm. And then he walks and in and cut. cut to him walking in. No, no, cut to Ted. The car driving. driving. Yes. yes. And then when so we don't Ted... see what happened there until Ted gets there and sees this Coolio guy behind there. But like, he doesn't know Coolio's not the clerk, you know, but we do. It's like we saw who appeared to be the clerk fixing his shirt, you know? And Coolio's behind the, the, the thing. Yeah, and he's just dressed normally. No, maybe Coolio's just dressed normally. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe. No, he had a suit on. So he's just wearing a suit anyway. Yeah. And then he yeah. and then he hands Ted the, the keys. Uh, maybe Ted walks in and he's like, oh, uh, I, need, I need a room. Do you have a room available? And he goes, oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, here, here you go. 2B. Two, two he goes, do you need a credit this. card? credit card he or anything to, he has to say something like you have a I, I i called for a reservation it's under name let's come up with a cool name that isn't ted <laughs> i called for a reservation under uh something uh newton <laughs> you know <laughs> oh that's fine okay yeah newton. okay yep. here we are uh to be okay and he gives him the thing and he's like he gives it to him and ted could be like how much? And he's like, oh, uh, $20. <laughs> oh, okay. Cheap. You know? Maybe I want to keep the dialogue to a minimum. So maybe he's, instead of him actually charging, he could just be like, or, oh, no, actually, you're right. You're right. How, like, how much for a room? And then, and then, uh, Coolio could say like, oh, we could take care of it in the morning. Or we'll okay. take care of yeah, yeah. we'll take care of that we'll take... like don't worry about it now. Just go get some rest. Yeah. Have a good night, Ted. And then he's just like, huh? Mr. <laughs> Newton. Mr. Newton. Um, Mr. So so he so then at that point, regardless of what they say, how they interact, Ted gets the key from Coolio. And then we <laughs> stay on Coolio and we pan down to the two to the two dead bodies. Ted, One of yeah. them is one of them is the clerk who is naked, and the other one is the assassin, the assassin with the clerk's clothes on. He has the clerk's clothes on, and he has a pistol in his hand. Yeah, like a small, like, stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he had the pistol when uh, when Coolio walked in. I imagine he. He was like buttoning up. Coolio walks in and he takes the pistol and does this, and Coolio just shoots him before he could even do anything. So the pistol's still in his hand. Yeah, he just we're not gonna know. We're gonna assume this happened. We never see it. Of course, of course. We're gonna deduce it by what we see. So then we follow Ted into the bedroom. We and then we learn a little bit more about him and why he did this. He makes the phone nervously call. Nervously doing his thing, he opens up the thing and then he we makes see it. He, he makes the phone call and says, "Okay, I'm willing to make a deal or something like that." You guys, you guys have to something, and then the guy would be like, "Wait, how are you still alive?" or something, and then he's like, oh, oh, "And he hangs up the phone, and yeah. then the guy opens up the door, 
but it's dead bolted or has that little chainy thing on there and then he just kicks it open and the guy's like no screaming like a like a wiener or something <laughs> and the guy's like shut up like he's he's there to, to use like- him and keep him safe until his usefulness is over. So, like, he's kind of a good guy for him, but not, you know. And on that cliffhanger of he he uses the drug on Ted mm-hmm. to show Ted what the drug actually is, and then he's like, "I'm, you know, I still have a use for you. Like, come with me." And then Ted follows him, like not like a zombie, but more so like he's trying to resist, but like he can't. Like he's like, "Okay," and then. Uh, he- says come with me uh come with me and then the guy he resists a little bit but like he, he's like looking around and he goes like i have the antidote or something and then he and he runs off but then the antidote's not real it's a joke the guy just wants him to listen to him while he eats pancakes <laughs> you're obsessed with this scene it's <laughs> awesome cool well i think that that really rounds out the story um yeah, I don't think we need to flesh out the characters or, or anything any any more than that. Like I can I can clearly see it in my head now. Whereas when you first pitched it to me, I was like confused about the two clerks. And I was like, I don't want to make it too complex, but it all kind of falls together now and we don't have to explain anything. Um, some people probably will watch it the way it is and be like, what? I don't I don't get it. But I but I have a better understanding of it. And so therefore as one of the writers i i can kind of like i i have a better understanding of how it all falls together and it makes more sense to me so like i mean obviously you know sometimes when you watch a a more deep and complex movie the first time you watch it you're like oh that was really awesome but i kind of didn't get this or i kind of didn't get that like the fountain for me was one of those movies where i had to watch it like three or four times to really understand what was happening because it was it's three of the same stories yeah. told differently. It's yeah. awesome. And they all intertwine. And it's it's just an awesome movie. The same was like sort of like uh, Akira for me. I oh, had to yeah. watch like, Akira like three times to like fully understand like all the nuance and everything in it. The original uh, anime, not the remake, which was garbage. Never even heard of the remake. <laughs> Never bring it up again. It was garbage. Um, but yeah, dude, this is cool. This is a cool story. It's very simple. There's little, very little dialogue. You are going to have to have four actors and the, the location will be a little bit more difficult to kind of like solidify. But I feel like if you can cheat the main office, then you could probably just go to a hotel and rent a room or you could probably cheat the room too. A or lot you of... just give a clerk somewhere, but hey, man, here's a hundred bucks. Just like be behind the camera. You know, if someone comes in, you can do your job, but we're going to try and shoot this really fast. We'll give you a hundred bucks. And like, he's not going to care, you know, as long as there's no managers around, we'll do it at night. You know, probably no managers will be there at night. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking exactly. about like a very, you know, small, shady, like a motel, not even like a hotel, you know. Well, people go to those motels for uh, very scandalous uh, activities. I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't mind you filming something, as long as it's not a a scandalous Murder. video. Yeah, as long as it's not a snuff film. <laughs> we're re- we're remaking say- eight millimeter or nine millimeter or whatever that 
movie Ooh. was called. <laughs> cool, man. This was this was great. Um, I think that we could get together at some point off camera and and write the script. Uh, for all of you listening and watching, actually sitting down and writing the script is a lot more quiet time because we are taking all of this like outline and this understanding that we have that we had to talk it through, which is part of like the podcast. And then we're going to write it into a script. And then maybe we can come back and do a table read, just the two of us, because there's very little uh, characters. Or if we have it, uh, if you have a really good understanding of it as kind of, you're going to take the spearhead on this and like direct it, get your crew together and start planning some stuff out and just just shoot it, man. You can do a, a little bit of guerrilla style shooting. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, that indie shooting that's, that's uh, super cheap and effective if you know what you're doing. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, exci I'm excited to, to see the final product. Bro. Bless you. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Well, we'll get together again soon on the podcast. We can either do another, another short like this because this was fun. Uh, or I, I really, I really want to start like diving spotting. It's been, it's been a long time coming. And I think that we could, you know, if we do it on the podcast then we could, we can allow our audience to kind of like be involved in, in the, the storytelling experience. And that might actually uh, get some, uh, some people with some money to be able to notice it a little bit easier because we will potentially have already an audience kind of like, how if you try to pitch an original idea to Hollywood nowadays, they're like, oh, what book is this based off of? Oh, it's, it's not, it's an original? Oh, I can't make that. I'm gonna lose my job if I make that. It has to be a book or a podcast or a comic book. So we'll make it into a podcast. <laughs> Cause that's a really cool story. That's a cool story. All right, Zach, I will soon. Thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, if you're liking what we're doing, then please subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on all of our social media. Um, we, we just love telling stories and we want to keep doing it. So, so thanks for all your support. Yep. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>